It's always good to be with you in this space together, worshiping um, the Lord with one another and receiving God's word together. Uh, A few things happening in our church family that I want to draw your attention to. The first is strategic planning. This is an opportunity for members of our church family to get together either on a Friday evening or Saturday morning and dream together, Uh, listen to the Spirit of God together as to what the Lord will be doing and is doing, calling us to do in and through our church family. We recognize that the, the pastoral staff do not own the Spirit of God, right? That if you're a follower of Jesus and a member of this church family, he has given you his Spirit, and we think it's absolutely important that this church family has an opportunity to get together to listen well to one another so that we can know where we're headed as a church family. So come be a part Come be a part of that if you're able. Um, family retreat is at the end of this month. It's the last weekend of this month. It's one of the coolest things that we do as a church family. If you're able to be a part of that, um, register today. Uh, we would love for you to be there. Um, it is just an awesome time of fellowship and connection and celebration of what God is doing in us. Lastly, our Greater Men Men's Breakfast is coming. It's February 3rd. Uh, this is the next large men's ministry event that we're doing. I've invited Jonathan Dowdy from B. Borkman Ministries to encourage, equip, and inspire us uh, men in this church family. So you register, be a part of that. We're going to have a taco, breakfast taco bar. You don't want to miss it, and you don't want to miss the fellowship with other men. So February 3rd, you can register for that online. If you're new with us today, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I have the privilege of preaching in this space and leading in this space. Um, We would love to know that you are with us today. And the simplest way to do that, you can get a little card right in front of you and fill that out and drop it off or hand it to me even better at the close of our time together. Or you can actually go online right on your device. Go to fbcsa.org slash connect and let us know that you're here, but we're thrilled that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. And I wanna let you know that our mission as a church family is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. And we wanna learn and be sensitive to the leadership of God in us so that we can live out that mission, that mission. We ask that you continue to give Give, gosh, what a a faithful, um, fitting call because of where we are in our text today. But give, continue to give to be a part of what God is doing through this church family. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash give. And as you know, you can already tell that we are participating in the Lord's Supper together. Already be prayerful about that. Invite the Spirit of God to help center your vision on the risen risen Jesus. Well, this morning, um, we remain in the Sermon on the Mount. And we get to hit one of the touchiest subjects, at least for us. But before we get there, um, I know I've told you this several times, but I really love the Psalms. They're a normal part Um, of my life. I read them every day as a part of my uh, devotional time. 
And I, I love the Psalms because they really teach us a lot about what it means to pursue the kingdom of God. Uh, teaches us a lot about this inner, inside to outside kind of life. Uh, you hear the psalmist really long for real change in their heart and their mind. You, you, you get to see the psalmist long for the things of God and cry out to God for help. You, you see the, the messy parts of life when they feel like God is invisible and doesn't show up and they're calling to God. You see the psalmist rejoicing in all that God has provided. But I love the psalms because it really dives deep into this inner life that Jesus has really been pointing to in the Sermon on the Mount, calling us to. I wanna read you um, a psalm um, that I read just uh, yesterday or the day before. This is Psalm 47. Don't look it up, you can, but I just want you to listen. I want you to receive this. Um, It begins this way. Come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord most high is awesome. He's the great king of all the earth. He subdues the nations before us, putting our enemies beneath our feet. He chose the promised land as our inheritance, the proud possession of Jacob's descendants whom he loves. God has ascended with a mighty shout. The Lord has ascended with trumpets blaring. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king over all the earth. Praise him with a psalm. God reigns above the nations, sitting on his holy throne. The rulers of the world have gathered together with the people of the God of Abraham. For all the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly honored everywhere. Along with my psalm reading, I've, I've been reading some poetry. Now, I know that sounds awfully sophisticated. Um, I encourage you to read. I, I haven't done this all my life. Uh, it's just been recent that I've been this sophisticated um, in reading poetry, but I encourage you to too. But this is a poem written by Malcolm Guide. He's a contemporary poet. He's alive. That's what that means. Um, and he says this about Psalm 47. Oh, this is a sonnet, by the way. I don't even know how to define what exactly a sonnet is. Some of you students know what a sonnet is, but listen to this. That wrongs may be redressed and wars may cease. He must be king of earth as well as heaven. We must invite him here to make his peace within us and between us. That forgiven, we may release forgiveness here on earth, working and spreading like a holy leaven. A secret of the kingdom, heaven's breath, a kindling from the place where Christ is king. For he has triumphed and defeated death. And even now he calls our hearts to sing, sing praises in the kingdom still to come and the one already here. To bring ourselves, our arts and music, trumpet, drum and tabor, all to make a merry noise. For heaven's king has made the earth his home. Now I read that psalm and I read this poem to remind us of the heart of this sermon is Jesus unveiling for us the kingdom that is coming and the kind of values and culture that makes up this kingdom. And so one of the things that should be a constant refrain in our heart as we see these values being unpacked in the Sermon on the Mount is to say, Lord, may your kingdom come. May all the nations bow before you. May your culture and values of your kingdom overwhelm all the earth and subdue the earth. And what's even more incredible 
is that Jesus says the way that this kingdom comes is through normal, everyday kind of people who become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says, you wanna know how my kingdom's gonna take shape? Through people like you. Doing, doing things in ways that the world has never seen. Subversive ways to overturn the kingdoms of the world to embody my kingdom and to live out my kingdom. Listen, God's kingdom culture is so different from the world. Listen, if we're not careful, and I'm just the world and even us, even in Christendom, even among our churches in the Western world, if we're not careful, we can be convinced like the rest of the world that money, power, and influence changes the world. I mean, the church can be convinced, guys, if we just have the right people in Congress, if we just have the right president, if we just have enough money and enough influence and enough power in all the right places, then that changes everything. But we can usher in the kingdom of God and Jesus says, the kingdom of God looks nothing like power, not worldly power. We don't do things the way the world does them. Do them differently. Even and how we handle money. So far, Jesus has told us, listen, it's meekness instead of power. It's love instead of revenge. It's the quiet inner spirituality instead of spiritual showmanship. And today he says, the way we think and handle money in the kingdom of God is his children is very different than the world's perspective and the world's ways. Listen, when I, I spent some time in Eastern Europe and um, what amazed me, and I was just a freshman in high school at the time, but what amazed me was their just really openness about money. I mean, they were willing, hey, how much do your parents make? Uh, how, much, uh, how much do you spend on this or that? They were just very open about money, but not here, right? Here, money is a very touchy subject. We don't talk about our debts. We don't talk about what we spend, at least in general. That's, just, that's not like something we just talk about. Hey, this is how much I make. This is how much I wanna make. It's all very close to the chest. We keep that. That's not a conversation we unveil. It's not something we talk about with other people, but Jesus goes there. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we find that Jesus has a lot to say about how we think and handle resources that God provides, money in particular. Jesus goes there, and if you're like me, you get a little antsy. But Jesus goes there because he loves us. He says, I, wanna, I, I want your heart and your ways and how you live in this world to be different because if we're gonna overturn the kingdoms of the world, which is done, by the way, and being done, then you've gotta embody the values of the kingdom. You can't think and handle money the way the rest of the world handles and thinks about money. Got to do it differently. Got to be different. So where does he go? I love, I love Jesus's directness. He begins in verse 19. Very, very simply with two, mainly one command, but two commands out of here. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth. And then the positive command is, store treasures in heaven. So the negative command is stop storing treasures here on earth. Don't do that. 
He would say, I don't want it, I don't want you to make your life's ambition to amass wealth, to store resources. I don't want your life ambition just to be, just to keep up with the Joneses, to have the stuff that they have, the cars that they drive, the clothes that they wear. Says, I don't want that to be your goal of life, just to always have, I just need more in order to be secure and feel safe and comfortable. He says, listen, I don't want that to be your ambition. And things are harder these days with that regard. It's always, there's a reason Jesus is addressing this in the first century because it's been, it was an issue then and it's an issue now, but now it's like amplified with, with social media. Everything's kind of right there in our faces. We compare ourselves to other people that if, if I'm not somebody, unless I look like the Joneses. Man, it's so alluring and so compelling to store treasures here on earth. But he says instead, instead, ambitiously invest in the things that last for eternity and yield the greater reward. He says, store your treasures in heaven. Store them in heaven. Now those treasures that Jesus is talking about, those heavenly treasures, he's already kind of talked about. Right at the beginning, he's told us, you wanna know what the kingdom of God is like, where the greater reward is? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. Arthur is the kingdom of heaven. We go back there. Let me just mention them because I just got the first one wrong. Bless those who are poor and realize their need for them for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What greater treasure is the kingdom of heaven? God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Their needs will be met. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. God blesses those who are, will, who are humble, not the powerful, for they will inherit the earth. Reward and treasure, he's already given us. He says, seek those things. Ambitiously set your heart on those directives in your life, the kingdom of God, the comfort that God provides. Store those treasures, he would say. Now he provides us, he provides us two reasons. The, the first one's obvious, right out of the gate in verse 19. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rusts, rust destroys. Now, in the first century world, wealth was mostly comprised of precious metals, right? That used to be the basis of our economy too, right? Gold. So precious metals, gold, silver, and oftentimes very luxurious, expensive cloth. And so you would, the wealthy would have a lot of those things. They would diversify their wealth among those things. But the reality is that Jesus is saying is that those luxurious, expensive cloths that you're investing in, moths eat that. Doesn't last. And you know that those precious metals, they tarnish. They don't last. Well, rust, rust and moth, they destroy and the reason that we oftentimes set our heart on those kind of temporal things 
is because we believe by having more that it will ease the anxiety and fear that we have in life. I'll have enough. If I only had enough, then I won't be scared about what's coming around the corner. It will ease my anxiety. But Jesus says, listen, can I just tell you the pursuit of more money and more stuff does not ease our anxieties, it ignites them. Right? The moth eats the cloth, the, the, the rust eats the precious metals. You gotta get more. Jeremiah would talk about, you know, leaky cisterns. That's what it means to pursue things that uh, are temporal and not lasting. They just, you put them in there and they're gone. You put them in and they're gone. Y'all remember 2008? 2008, I mean, gangbusters economy for years. And all of a sudden, people who had incredible equity in their homes had nothing. People who had stashed away millions for retirement, which is not an unwise thing to do, was gone. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, the, the reason you should not invest and pursue earthly resources and store them and hoard them as if they're gonna abate your fear and anxiety is because they're here one day and gone the next. Even pursuit of being the Joneses, right? Trends come and go. Just last week, I was talking with one of my daughters about Crocs, and she said, you know what? Crocs aren't even in anymore. What's next? Right? Uh, Thank you. Thank you, thank you. She's wrong, that's right. That's what I said. I was like, no, they're totally still in. Totally still in. But you know, I mean, if we sell our souls to stuff and wealth, thinking that's the answer and the cure for our fears and anxieties in the world, Jesus says, it's here today, gone tomorrow. You got nothing. Got nothing. The second reason that he says, don't don't invest your energy there is because a preoccupation with money, having more, twists our heart. We don't find security, but our heart explodes into greed. Money becomes more important than people and the Lord and the kingdom of God. distorts how we look at relationships. We see that in, in verses 22 and 23. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, when your eye sees rightly the world around it, when it understands what is true and what is real and what is eternal, what is lasting, your body's healthy. It functions properly. But, but when your eye is unhealthy, when you're consumed by untrue things, temporal things that don't last, even though money and resources are not evil in themselves, but when we are held captive by the pursuit of those things, what does he say? The body is filled with darkness. And if the the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. He's like saying, listen, if you're sold out and convinced that if you have more money, you're gonna be okay, gosh, it just compounds it. 
And it results in incredible darkness. It reshapes your heart and your mind. Love is replaced with greed. Generosity is replaced with hoarding. He says, that's why you don't do it. Because it, it messes with your heart. It makes you unhuman. Makes you unhuman. I love my greatest, my favorite hymn is the one we sung. Be thou my vision. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. What is your vision? If your vision is to amass and store and hoard because you are afraid of what's coming around the corner and you're not trusting in that God meets every single need, right? Just the verse before this section says, remember, God knows everything that you already need. But Jesus says the the beckoning and call of your heart should be, Lord, be thou my vision. May you be all that I see. May I see your kingdom and its reward. May I see your son as the greater treasure. I mean, Jesus was terribly concerned about this. I want you to listen to these other verses. This is Mark 6, 18 through 19. This is in his telling of the story of the fields and the seeds. Listen to this, verse 18. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. They receive God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, comma, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, and no fruit is produced, just darkness. Jesus is really concerned about this. And Timothy, Paul's concerned about it. In Timothy chapter six, verses nine through 10, y'all know this passage really well. He's talking about this young pastor. He's trying to encourage and equip this young pastor to stay the course, live for the kingdom of God. And what does he say? He says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into a ruin and destruction, darkness. And oh, what kind of darkness it is. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Listen, the allure of money is so powerful that it can pull you away from following Jesus. Some people have been pulled away from the true faith. And they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. It it doesn't solve problems. Your love and craving for more Stuff is like being pierced. You create heartache, pain. Y'all, y'all know these words, remember this? Jesus said, you know, it's possible to gain the whole world, everything it has to offer, but lose it all. But at the end of it, have nothing of value. That's what Jesus is saying here. Just a decadent, greedy, dark heart if we give ourselves to the craving and loving of money and things. There are two principles in this, um, in these texts that Jesus hits. If you notice, we're kind of going back and forth between these texts, but in Matthew chapter six, verse 21, he says this, the first principle, by the way, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Here's the principle. 
If you wanna know what kind of heart you have, just check your treasure. If you wanna know where your heart is headed, check your treasure. Where, how are you investing the resources that God has provided you? How does your money think, your mind think about what he has provided you? What do you treasure? What do you long for? What do you desire most? What do you hoard? What do you hope to hoard? What do you hope to hoard? So Jesus would say, listen, if you wanna keep your heart headed in the right direction, you might need to change what you treasure. Most of you, many of you, not most of you, many of you probably have, have taught someone how to drive. Now, I've shared this analogy before. But um, in teaching someone how to drive, to avoid the curb, you don't look at the curb. You don't look in the wrong direction to go the right direction. I mean, it, it seems, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't seem all that intuitive, it, but what we've discovered is, is that if your focus is on the curb, the wrong direction, in attempts to avoid it, odds are you're gonna hit the curb. You know, you gotta look down the road. In the same way, if, you're, if you've lost control of the vehicle and you're spiraling towards a tree, don't look at the tree, because we know statistically, if you look at the tree, odds are you're gonna hit the tree. And it's the same is true for here. If you, you need to check your heart, what's the desires of my heart? If it's the tree and the curb, it's gotta change because you're headed for destruction. You gotta check, gotta check the heart. I love the psalmists, I mean, because they, they articulate this so well, Psalm um, 1910. Listen to the desires of the psalmist. Your word, they are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, and even honey dripping from the comb. I, I need to get my heart headed in the right direction what's really sweet, what's really valuable. That's the first principle. The second principle, he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, it's impossible. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's actually what money ends up doing. When we love money and treasure the resources that God provides over God himself, we become enslaved to that thing. And he says, you can't do it. You can try. I'm gonna faithfully follow Jesus and look at my investments every single day and my fear rises and falls, my anxiety rises and falls based upon what my investments are doing or what my bank account is doing. God says, you can't, have, you can't do it both ways. It's not that he's saying being wise with money. No, God wants us to be wise with the resources he's provided us. He wants us to know financial freedom. But he says, don't trick yourself into thinking somehow you can live like the world and how it thinks and handles money and somehow live for me. Because when I say, when I say give, you're gonna say, no way. Because if I let this go, where am I gonna be tomorrow? If I give this away, I won't be able to take care of this. And God says, see, you won't listen to me when I say give because money is your king. You always listen to your king, folks. Check your loyalties. So the question for us is, is uh, what do we do? 
What do we do? This is tough for us. Particularly in the United States that one of the founding mantras and values of the United States is the American dream. Now there's some great, awesome things wrapped up into that simple phrase. But we can convince ourselves that who I am is defined by what I have. How often do we think about money? Gosh, all the time. We think about investments, job security, college tuition, taxes, fees, debt, debt, debt. I mean, every place we turn, our hearts are consumed about money and we don't even talk about it with one another. Maybe your spouse. But we are consumed with thinking about money. And so the allure of saying, look to money, trust money, make money your king. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, have a lot or little, our world, especially in the United States of America and in the West, is consumed by the allure of trusting money and seeking money over everything else. If only I had more. It's true of all of us. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very, very open with you guys. I, I wanna read a portion of my journal this was written in August, August 28th, 2022 on my reflections on Psalm 92. I said this, working daily on thankfulness, I acknowledge God's blessing my life, my wife, girls, vocation, friends, needs met, not to mention salvation, righteousness, new life. And yet I find myself preoccupied with our financial need. It's what I daydream about and I plan. It's the one thing that gives me stress and causes fear. Why can I not fully trust God with our finances? Why is it that money can fill my thoughts? Lord, transform my mind that I might put all my trust in you. You alone are our provider. You alone bear fruit in our family. And verse 12 of Psalm 92, I wrote it here, said this. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Any of you like me? I'm your pastor. And the allure of money is so, Again, it's not that money is bad. God gives us resources to be salt and light in the world, to overturn the kingdoms of the world. So what do we do? We do two things. I'm gonna leave you with this. We do two things to wrestle with the internal battles of our heart. We pray. That's what the psalmist does. I love it how Peterson translates this in the message. This is Psalm 119, verses 36 through 37. 
He says this, give me an appetite for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets, invigorate me on the pilgrim way. We pray, we say, Lord, be thou my vision. Help me treasure you. Help me see the value of the promises of God in the present and in the future. May I trust you and your treasure more than anything else. May I be consumed by your word, the word. May I set my sights on those things. So turn my eyes from this to you, we pray. The second thing that we do is that we change our perspective about money and resources. We recognize that we are stewards of all that God has provided us. Everything we have from our our talents to our gifts, to our work, to the resources that we receive through the work and vocations that we have, we recognize that all of it is the Lord's. It's his and we steward what he gives us in order to meet the needs that we have in our life and also to be eternal blessing and be a part of what God is doing in his kingdom. From the very beginning, God gave us good work. And he says, the reason I give you good work is through that work, you're gonna fill the earth with my glory by glorifying me in everything that you say and that you do and the good work and the excellent work that you do. You make much of me when you pour yourself into good work. And it's also through that good work that I'm going to meet your everyday needs. I'm gonna put food on the table for you but it's also through that good work and the resources I provide you through your vocation, your, your business, whatever you do, I'm going to use that to bless people on, around you. And in that, you will be thankful and generous. You'll rejoice in what I've given you and you will bless other people in your generosity. And the kingdom will come like that. how are you investing and reinvesting the resources God has provided you? How are you giving? Where's your heart? Have you checked your heart lately? I'm checking mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, gosh, real life words from Jesus. And Lord, we pray that through the work of your spirit, it would illuminate our hearts, that you might be our vision, that we could see ourselves clearly, and that you might be our treasure. Make that a reality in us. Lord, we wanna live for your kingdom. We wanna think in kingdom ways. Our heart, we want our hearts to be kingdom hearts. So do what you have to do. In Jesus' name, we pray and all God's people said, Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell.